0: Before we get to this week's Game of Thrones feedback show, I want to take a moment and tell you about CanvasPeople.com. And I'm so excited about CanvasPeople.com. I even have Lady Sesternino is here to talk about CanvasPeople.com. Nicole, How are you?
1: I am fantastic.
0: I think this is your first time ever on Post Show Recaps, by the way. But Probably. that being said, Nicole's just here to talk about Canvas people real quick. Of course, Nicole, very busy. Uh, f- for some people around here, having a great summer, all sorts of <laughs> outdoor activities with the family and the kids while some people are you know, sweating away podcasting. A Game of Thrones season. But, Nicole, you take a lot of pictures and you want to capture them. And the best place for those pictures is on our wall... With Canvas people, and you love Canvas people, right? I really do. Yes. What is it you like about Canvas people? Uh, the quality is amazing. Yes. Very easy to use. Just upload the photos. And Nicole has no poker face. You really, you very happy with what we've gotten from Canvas People?
1: Yes. I've used other services and uh, Canvas People is by far
0: better. Don't you think that in those caves that Jon Snow took Daenerys into last week, where there was all those drawings from the children of the forest, don't you think it would have been a lot better if they used Canvas People for that to decorate those horrible caves?
1: Yeah, and Daenerys can get pictures
0: of her her children, the dragons, on Canvas People. Sure. Canvas People, they've got a great offer for the listeners of Post Show Recaps. They've got special $0 pricing for an 11 by 14 canvas photo that they want you to try it out. They're so confident you're going to love it. They're going to give you $0 pricing. You just pay the shipping. It's less than $20 total. Nicole has done this for a million gifts for people. I, re- I have, yeah. My parents yeah. love it. Yes, and they think you spent a lot of money. <laughs> you didn't. Go to canvaspeople.com, use the promo code POST to get this special offer. Canvaspeople.com, upload your photo, select the 11x14, enter promo code POST in the promo code box and get that special $0 pricing. That's at canvaspeople.com, promo code POST. Game of Thrones Season 7, Episode 5, Eastwatch is still over, but we're just getting started, getting into your feedback here on the Game of Thrones Poster we got Feedback Show. And now here are the two guys who have not yet gotten to the point where we're doing a podcast about every single bowel movement. I'm Rob Sestrini. Here's Josh Wiggler. <laughs> Josh, how are you? Uh,
1: We're working our way up to that. We haven't quite hit rock bottom, casterly rock bottom yet, but uh, we're on our way. (laughs) Not yet. Yeah, Not yet. All right. So we have a lot to
0: get to on this jam-packed episode. Uh, You and I did our deep dive the other day, which was a lot of fun to go through all of that. If anybody missed it, you could hear Josh's rankings of who is most likely to die on the suicide
1: squad at Eastwatch coming up this week. Oh, my God. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong. And just like everyone's okay, and nobody dies, and life is good, and everybody wins. But there's no way that's happening. This is Game of Thrones, No, people. probably Someone, not. Someone's going to die. Yeah. It's going to be hard. One. And we'll find out
0: this Sunday night when Stephen Fishback and I are live after the episode. Make sure you don't miss it when you are subscribed to our podcast, com slash GOT iTunes. Josh, how are you holding up? Uh, the light is at the end of the tunnel. We're about, what, 11 days away from the finale. You've been going like a madman over a THR. Are you okay?
1: You're a madman? You're gonna jump out the window like Tommen? <laughs> 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 was that Tommen
0: falling in the madman? Yes, uh, yes.
1: That's yeah. yes, one mystery solved. Yeah, he's a, a real Dick Whitman, that kid. Uh, Dick on Whitman. Uh, Yeah, so maybe that answers your question, is this Mad Men tangent that we've just gone on. This Mad King Men? I don't know. I don't know where we are. Yeah, I'm lost in the Jojen reeds of Game of Thrones right now. We've got 11 days, you say? Feels like forever. But the season is going fast. There's only two episodes left. Seems like it's going to be very action-heavy this week. Uh, so it's exciting you know and I'm also still looking at it like I said on the deep dive like we're at the midpoint of the final season of the show basically right now so uh with that lens it really isn't over so soon we've got like another year of this thing left okay well let's dive into
0: your questions uh you guys are killing it with the questions by the way uh we are being inundated with feedback questions everybody has lots of questions about Game of Thrones this season got at com or post slash voicemail Josh where do you want to start this week
1: let's start with um where we ended in this episode let's go all the way up to east watch let's talk about the east watch eight or seven as it were since davos is hanging back let's take a voicemail to kick things off this is from eric toombs who wants to get our thoughts on the expedition that is being planned by john snow hey guys this is eric
0: toombs calling each to get your thoughts on john snow's magnificent seven going beyond the wall uh, not only do i think this is dumb plan doesn't really make any sense because i don't think ultimately cersei will care but i just wanted to see if you also saw anyone else with them and do they have dragon glass with them because i believe i saw when they opened the gate there was people behind those seven pulling something so is that like a wheel of dragon glass or something just want to see if you saw that too thanks
1: I did not see this wagon of dragon glass. Did you catch this? Visibility
0: Rob? was not very good at Eastwatch.
1: It was bad. It was hard to see. But to Eric's point, I really hope that these people are at least packing some dragon glass, if not outright Valyrian steel. Like, John has Longclaw, but they have been mining the dragon glass from Dragonstone. Like, even Gendry and John meet within the mine of Dragonstone where they're mining for dragon glass. You gotta hope that they've got, like, three dragonglass weapons at the bare minimum right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could certainly see some daggers and some shards of dragonglass on them, but they don't really seem particularly well-armed.
1: Yeah, I mean... This whole plan is ill-conceived. You know, like, the, the whole thing top to bottom. Yet another strategic failing on Tyrion's part, I think. We talked a little bit about, like, some alternate possibilities for how to handle this situation during the Deep Dive show. And one of the ideas we came up with was what if we just, like capture Littlefinger, and bring him beyond the wall, and just kill Littlefinger there, wait for his corpse to reanimate, bag that up, bring it back, and there, problem solved. Plus, everybody knows Littlefinger in King's Landing, so they'd be like, oh my god, zombie Littlefinger. Like, you would think that that would make some sense. Um, but beyond that, I was, uh, I was actually messaging with a good friend of ours earlier today, Rob, Steve Davis. Yes. Uh, I was corresponding with Steve Davis, who had a pretty fun idea for uh, for what would have worked out, or at least a more practical idea for how this could have worked a little bit better. What if they had like gone to the citadel and had taken like somebody who was ailing and was waiting for you know one final thing to do in life, like one final heroic act, and they bring that person like as a sacrifice as like a knowing sacrifice beyond the wall and they let that person die there and then they bring that person back to King's Land.
0: Yeah, I mean, that too would be good. I mean, I think that a lot of people had good ideas. The show really, I think, has a problem on its hands with this storyline, and maybe this week we'll just be so dazzled by what we see with uh, this battle against the Night King, and that we just won't care about this. But uh, Josh, my lovely wife who has uh, recently started listening to these podcasts, uh, oh, man. E- even she, who is in not the biggest nitpicker when it comes to TV
1: show plots she was saying the other day this doesn't make any sense what they're doing Ah, so she's picking at these nits Mm -hmm. Um, yeah there's some nits to be picked in Game of Thrones season 7 and it really is like a balancing act of like well are you entertained you know are you having fun uh, You know, sometimes this isn't making all of the sense in the world, but it's leading you to, hey, there's cool dragons over there. You know, if if that's if that's something that you're all right with, then you're probably not spending too much time thinking about this plan makes no sense. And look, if we have this incredible episode next week where we've got these seven soldiers north of the wall. And there's just this incredible kind of like, I don't know, like World War II quality to it. like the Saving Private Ryan quality, but Game of Thrones style. I think that's going to be so fun that probably for my feeble brain, like I'll be OK with the fact that the plan was a bad one.
0: So we'll see how much Dragon Glass is in uh, the carry-on luggage of the Snowy Seven.
1: Yeah, we'll see about that. This is another question from a, a different Steve, actually, uh, about the expedition that is happening north of the Wall. Uh, And just to to paraphrase it really quickly, Steve from Vancouver is suggesting, what if the white that they find north of the wall, what if they find Hodor wandering around? Is there any chance that they are going to find Hodor And this is going to be the guy that they're going to bring south to King's Landing. Is there any other potential options there? Who else? I don't know what they've done with like all like the, I got to imagine Craster's body is long gone at this point. I mean, Benjen is out there. I mean, they could just be like, hey, this guy's like a sentient, like ice monster, man. Like maybe this is convincing enough that this guy is like definitely not just a straight up human being anymore.
0: If you were going to lug somebody back to King's Landing, Hodor is not
1: ideal for that. He's not portable. But isn't it only right? that after so many seasons spent lugging somebody around he gets, carried, hodor around. gets carried away yeah. yeah i don't get the
0: sense and i have no idea what the geography of the land of endless winter do i have that right always winter always winter so i don't know where the uh, three-eyed raven set up shop up there but i don't get the sense it was necessarily too
1: close to east watch is hodor just sort of like wandering now i don't know they're all sort of of wandering now right mm-hmm. like the white walkers are t- you know while the rest of the show is like in like super speed like it's uh on like at least like quadruple speed we've talked about ludicrous speed like the white walkers are just in slow motion well there's a lot of them and it's snowy
0: and then and they're dead so you know i feel like that you know they're slow but you know they're coming. gotta take
1: soft steps because of that uh that brittle rotting flesh you know right. you could just like walk, and a shin has popped out. now what are you gonna do you're gonna drag your way to the wall Come on. They they're stopping and
0: smelling the roses on the journey, and we're not talking about High Garden. No, no one's talking about High Garden anymore. No, not right now. Very sad.
1: Matt Pavlovich had written in and wanted our power rankings of who survives this seven man raid north of the wall. I've certainly given my thoughts on the matter. Do you have any further thoughts on this? Do you have predictions for how this is gonna play out, Rob?
0: No, I really don't. I I'm not as high on that. Jon Snow is going to die as you are, but I mean, you are the you know professional expert. Yeah, barely. I would say I, I feel like that. If any of these people are going to die, I guess the one I'm probably the most out on a limb is is Tormund. I feel like
1: that he is not long for this world. Yeah. How does that go down? Like, what does the Tormund Giantsbane death scene look like?
0: I think probably like an icy monster ends up stabbing
1: him. An ice bear, perhaps?
0: Maybe. That's certainly a possibility. The bear comes for I, and I feel like that you're probably right with Thoros of Mir and with Beric Dondarian in terms of that they are probably goners and think the rest of the crew ends up coming back. You need to carry these people.
1: Yeah, you do. But I, I feel like for for this to kind of have like the like the gravitas that seems to be behind this whole sequence that's coming up and behind like the stakes of these seven men going off and like facing down their fate and embracing their destiny. And they're just being this idea of the living versus the dead. I don't think that two people being killed is enough. And especially like if it's Barrack and Thoros, if you're going to call anybody in this group red shirts, like those are the guys. We love them. They're great. They've been very fun on the show, but they lack the screen presence or the screen time at least, and the depth of some of these other characters. And that's why I feel like you just got to lose one person who has been with us for a while, if not since the start of the series, which is why I'm looking at Jorah Mormont and why I'm very, very worried for that guy. We'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. Uh, We don't need to dwell on it any further. I'm sure we're going to have like nothing else to talk about next week other than the ramifications of whatever is happening. What's the biggest death of season seven so far? Biggest death of season seven so far. I mean, maybe it's like it's the wholesale uh, removal of the Dorne story. The Queen of Thorns, certainly. Walder Frey. Walder Frey. Well, Walder Walder Frey was already dead, but the cleansing of House Frey uh, has been, they have been taken out completely. Uh, I think that those are probably the biggies so far. Okay, we'll see. So that's why, like, you know, we asked before the season, right? Like we said, who's the Hodor of this season? Maybe it's like not who is the Hodor. It's like who's the Hodor's plural. Like, you know, is it is the is the answer to coming up with a death that's going to be as painful as losing that lovable giant? Is it that we're just going to lose like a bunch of people in pretty quick succession in really gruesome fashion i think that that's a possibility i mean do you think that we're going to run into the white walker army is that what we're going to see you'd have to think so right i mean we know that the white walkers are marching toward east watch uh so why wouldn't that be where they're heading you know it seems like that's the mission that they're on it's like we're going to grab one of these whites that's walking with the white walkers that's certainly my instinct and we've seen in the trailer night kings hanging around somewhere out there uh you'd gotta imagine that there's going to be some sort of collision
0: yeah when when we went to the premiere party, that the Knights King was sort of like all over the branding for this season, and he has not gotten a lot of screen time to date. Not
1: yet. Not yet. Let's stick on Jon Snow, but let's change the subject ever so slightly. Let's talk about the line of succession that seems to be uh, changing here as of this episode, where we found out, thanks to Gilly just casually dropping this bomb, that Jon Snow is almost definitely the product of a legitimate marriage between Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark. This is uh, just if anyone was confused on the issue and how this is all going to play out or how it has the potential to play out. This is Amanda from St. Louis who has a really good concise take on all of the possibilities here. She writes in, I'm a bit obsessed with succession issues, so allow me to put on my maester's chain for a moment to try and help resolve the confusion. With the knowledge that his parents were married, John now has a better claim to the Iron Throne than Danny. As a bastard, he had no rightful claim. Now he is the legitimate son of Rhaegar, the eldest son and heir of King Eris. Danny is a younger child of King Eris. The claims of all of Rhaegar's legitimate heirs come first, then the next eldest, which is Viserys and any of his heirs, of which there are none, and then Danny. It's only after an initial heir dies without kids that you go back a generation to the next heir in that line. So it certainly sounds then, according to this explanation, that Jon Snow is the guy, Rob. He is the one who is in line.
0: Yeah, and that is going to be a major problem for Daenerys, even if Jon Snow does not have any interest in being the person who sits on the Iron Throne, I feel like that Danny has said on a number of occasions that she will stop at nothing to she ultimately gets in that position.
1: Well, let's talk that through a little bit more. This is from Bridget, who writes in and wants to know a little bit more about what that reveal is going to mean for John moving forward. Bridget writes in and says, "What will be the real impact of John's status as the true Targaryen heir once it comes to light? I find it hard to imagine John in any way pursuing the Iron Throne." He's already made it clear that he's not interested in power for power's sake. And even if he was, it's hard to imagine Danny giving up her life goal of winning the throne for any reason. She could probably find a way to cast enough doubt over John's claims to justify not bending her knee. So where does it leave us? Here's my guess. Maybe John can use this as a bargaining chip. He agrees to make no claim on the Iron Throne in exchange for Danny giving up her claim on the North and assisting in the war against the White Walkers. Maybe John can even get Danny to throw in a dragon if he's a tough negotiator. So what do you think? Is John going to find out this news and rather than embrace the you know the rush of power that's going to come with the fact of oh my god i'm a true targaryen and i'm the heir to the iron throne is he going to use that as a bargaining chip in liberating the north from the rest of the seven kingdoms
0: i mean it's such a good question about what is john's reaction going to be to all of this because i don't think his reaction is going to be like yes are you telling me i am a targaryen I'm Rhaegar Targaryen's son? I mean, sure, he has always wondered about, you know, who was my mom, but he seems like he really, you know, relishes being the son of Ned Stark, even though he is a bastard of Ned Stark, but that Ned has been this guy that he has looked up to for all this time. So... I don't think that he's psyched to be a Targaryen, and I don't think that he says, okay, go, good, now I could sit on the Iron Throne. It doesn't seem like anything that he is interested in, so I don't know what he wants to do with that. I almost feel like that he would probably not tell people about this.
1: Doesn't it feel like the chances of Jon Snow being the guy who actually sits on the Iron Throne at the end of Game of Thrones, doesn't that feel like... The lowest odds, right? Like, it just does not feel right that John is going to end this story in charge of the entire realm. That just doesn't feel like a job that he would even want. No, it seems like that that would be torture for him in the same way
0: that Ned Stark didn't want to sit on the Iron Throne when there was a possibility of that happening in the first season.
1: I think the importance of this, ultimately, the the great significance of the fact that Jon is the guy who has the best claim to the Iron Throne, that he is the rightful heir to becoming the king of the Seven Kingdoms, according to the Targaryen line of succession. I think it's, again, just another kind of feather in his cap. Like, I think it's just, you know, this is a guy who walked into Daenerys's chamber, hearing this epic introduction from Missandei of Daenerys and all of her many titles and all of her claims and everything that. That she has done, and Davos only introduces him as, eh, this is Jon Snow. He's the king of the north. You know, this is a guy who could come back at Daenerys with a huge, huge list of names. You know, the Breaker of the Dead, you know, the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, all of this stuff, heir to the Iron Throne. But he doesn't care about any of that. And I don't think that he ever has cared about any of that. And I don't expect he ever will care about any of that. And I think that the importance of it ultimately is more that This is where it could have gone. This is where it could go. These are things that, you know, are part of John's legacy, that are part of John's sort of destiny that is driving him forward throughout this story. And I think that it's going to be enough that this guy who is going to play a crucial role in saving humanity, and you gotta believe that that's gonna be where this is driving towards, that this is a guy who was so predestined that he does have the the, the ice and the fire swirling through his blood, he is the guy that could be sitting on the Iron Throne if he really wanted to, if he lives long enough to get there, that the potential of that and the kind of the, the epic quality behind a guy like that, that's really the driving force. It's less about like the end result and it's more about just kind of of, I think building up the ultimate mythology of Jon Snow.
0: So what is his story ultimately? Where do you think he gets off? Does he Where st- do you get off, Jon Snow? I, I mean, does he end up sacrificing himself for the good of the realm to ultimately against the, the this battle against the night? Does
1: he end up sort of like going... Uh,
0: I just, what happens to this person? Yeah, he
1: fights the Night King and he, you know, sustains a mortal injury and he kills the Night King and shatters him into a million pieces and all the White Walkers drop dead and Jon snow like hobbles back to the rest of the people who are like yeah you did you did oh my god john you're bleeding it's like oh no and then he dies and that's probably what it. if h- him
0: and the Night's King sort of like end up like falling off a cliff into like the
1: pits of Mordor. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. I mean, anything like that. Like that's what that's what's going to happen to Jon Snow. Jon Snow is going to kill the bad guy. He's going to save the day and he's going to die from some wounds that are sustained in the okay. process. Well, he had a good run. Come revisit, revisit this clip in, in a year and a half. You know, that's going to be so close to accurate. I feel I feel strong about that. I feel like it. we're close. feel like we're close. No need to watch. We don't even need yeah, to watch We're done. We're yeah. done. We're done. Our watch is over. Much has ended. All right, this is from Brendan of House Fitzy, who wants to change the subject. He wants to change it to uh, to somebody else who, if legitimized, maybe he would have a claim uh, towards the Iron Throne, wants to talk about your boy in mind, Gendry. Brendan writes in, why didn't Gendry mention Arya at all to Jon? And wouldn't Gendry have been far more useful being left to smith all that dragon dragonglass into weapons instead of being part of Jon's brute squad? Not that I mind it. Also, as the last remaining Baratheon, do you think Jon will legitimize Gendry at some point, making him the High Lord of the Stormlands? So let's take that down uh, into a few different parts. First of all, is Gendry getting legitimized Legitimized by the end of Game of Thrones. What do you think? Yes or no? Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. yes. He's the only standing Baratheon. I
1: mean, when no, stand, you watch the show, with his uncle. Sorry, that was right. a bad. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm right, sorry. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> the uh, when you watch the Game of Thrones, there's sort of like the Game of Thrones like logo, and then there's like uh the sigil of four houses. You have the wolf. You have a dragon. You have a lion. And you have the Baratheon stag, and there are no other Baratheons except for Gendry. So and we've lost. So we've lost uh, King Robert. We've lost Joffrey. We've lost Tommen. Uh, we've lost Marcella, and we've lost Renly and Stannis. Just, they've been wiped off the board, except for Gendry. We like. We need to have that house stand.
1: I agree completely. Yeah, I think he's legitimized. I think that he's still alive. I think he's completely in the mix by the end of this whole show. But he should have been left behind at Dragonstone to make weapons out of Dragon Glass. Like, it's crazy that he is on this mission right now. Did you see him swing that hammer, Josh? It was cool, it was cool, but what's he gonna do? He's gonna knock apart a white into like a million pieces and then like the T-1000, it's gonna put itself back together and just like keep coming after him? You know, how useful Hmm. is he really? He's. I mean, if you're thinking about the seven people on this trip, I think if you're power ranking them in terms of utility... I think, in terms of their battle capabilities, I think you got to put Gendry in last place.
0: That's possible, but you can't put some Dothraki on making dragon glass
1: weapons. I don't know. The communication issues would be would be problematic. I mean, they have arrows. They know how to make arrows. Yeah. Broken arrow. So we'll we'll see. I don't know. Uh, why didn't Gendry mention Arya to John at all? Is uh, are we not going to get back into the Gendry and Arya stuff? Is that why it's just not even worth reminding us of?
0: I think that we probably will. I do think we get back into that. I just, you know, he didn't want to bring it up with John. It would be weird. Why would it be weird? You know, meeting the family and everything. Older brother. So I think, you know, know, didn't want to like say like, by the way, I was like uh, really... Uh, macking it to your sister. I don't know if he was
1: macking it. And I I feel like macking it is a strong way to describe it. He said, you will be my lady. Yeah, my lady. The chemistry was palpable. All right, let's talk about somebody else in this crew that is traveling beyond Eastwatch. Let's talk about the Hound. Ryan writes in and says, wouldn't it be great if the Hound gets turned into a white?" and he's the one they have to bring back to King's Landing where he ends up fighting... Wait for it. The mountain. Okay. What about this? Because then maybe I need to start, start getting nervous because I put the hound at number one. Dead last. You know, no, I, This is making a lot of yeah, sense. I said he was safe. I said he was super safe. But what if the hound dies and they bring the hound back and we do get our quagane bowl? It's just a full scale zombie Quagaine bowl.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, I like this idea a lot. I don't know necessarily why the Hound would even come with them to King's Landing. I mean, does this whole exact crew need to come back from Eastwatch all the way to King's Landing to deliver this guy. And that's how he gets back. So that's good. That, that I like that a
1: lot. Oh, I'm making me nerves. Makes me nervous. Uh, Yeah, it's a fun theory It's a fun idea, like you can imagine that I mean, the thing is though It's going to be a short battle, you know Without his like mental faculties, the hound is no physical match for the mountain. So really his only edge in a Clegane bowl is that he is smarter than his brother and is also a good fighter. If he's just kind of a mindless zombie, doesn't he just get smashed to bits instantly? It's like, you know, it's the most anticlimactic Clegane bowl we could possibly get, except for the fact that they're both zombies. And that's kind of neat. Could they cure him? Could Kyburn bring him back? Oh, my God. And, like, just make him, like, a powerful zombie, like the way that he did with the men? Could Thoros of Mir bring him back? I don't know. You need to come back. Your destiny is not over. You need to make it to the Clegane Bowl, Bowl, (laughs) Bowl.
0: Yeah, well, that would be uh, very exciting. Well... Josh, uh, speaking of Clegane balls or certainly of bowls, uh let me just take a moment and thank one of our sponsors of this podcast. And those are our friends over at plated.com. Man,
1: I uh I just used plated tonight, Rob. Okay, what'd you make? I made a chicken peanut curry. And it was delightful. Oh God, it was really, really good. Yeah,
0: plated dot com. If you're serious about food, like Josh Wiggler is, and nobody can say that you're not. It's true. I am very serious about my food stuffs. Every week, Plated.com gives you 15 chef design recipes to choose from, as well as desserts. You could be traveling the world via the kitchen with recipes inspired by around the globe favorites like Malaysian fish curry and lamb shashuka from Morocco.
1: They do all the grocery shopping for you. How was that? That was convenient, right? It was very convenient. I'm really bad at grocery shopping. They also portion everything out for you, so it's pretty idiot-proof. I'm really bad in the kitchen so uh, I was very nervous the whole time and I had all the ingredients. I didn't have to worry about missing anything and everything was properly rationed out. It was perfect. I'm a big fan. I'm I'm thumbs up on Plated. And was Emily excited at what you were able to put together? Well, she was terrified that I was just like (laughs) messing it up horribly because Emily is a fantastic cook. But she gave the food a big thumbs up. She really liked it. Maybe like put like a little more sugar in the curry sauce than uh, than was provided. But other than that, like it was that was just a personal taste preference. Otherwise, it was very very good.
0: And if you got a sweet tooth, they've even got dessert options like no churn coffee ice cream and cinnamon rolls. So discover your ideal dinner experience. Go to Plated. Dot com slash post to get 50% off your first plated box. That's 50% off for limited time only. Terms apply. See plated.com slash post for details. That's at plated.com slash post. All right, Josh, get what else plated. do Get plated. Yeah. Get
1: plated. These guys uh, get let's,
0: plated all the time.
1: Let's go down to King's Landing. Uh, let's talk about Cersei Lannister. This is a voicemail from Brandon who wants to know what Cersei is about to be cooking up. Hi, Robin. Josh, uh, I was just wondering: Do you think that Cersei could be planning a red wedding type event at the peace meetings with Danny and John in a way to kill off her enemies, like her father Tywin did with the red wedding to Rob? And if so, do you think that this could lead to Jamie turning on Cersei and joining up with Danny and John to fight the White Walkers in the North? All right. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, man. The, is this the dead wedding? Is that what? where the, the army of the dead wedding?
0: I mean, this is a really good question. I think that a lot of people have raised this point of since when is Cersei such a reliable actor to all these people involved? That's like, well, if Cersei's word is good, then it's good. You, you know, you don't need to worry about it. And she did say, you know, I'm, it's time to do things as if father would do them. What
1: would Tywin do in this spot? WWTD. Man. And but John would have to be such a goon to fall for this. You know, like, well, we've he already is had officially on, <laughs> a Stark, according to the law of the land. Yeah. And he has gone south. And we know what happens to Starks when they go south. It's no bueno. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Cersei's going to be planning some double cross. It's just a matter of like if the, if everyone is agreeing on this meeting and if it's like on mutual ground, maybe then that would be easier to, to sidestep any sort of plan that Cersei might have in place but these guys would have to be so dumb to fall for this you know with the history of the red wedding and everything like it would just be so bad yeah. boy Josh if after all
0: this if Jon Snow ended up like they go through this battle they end up delivering a white to Cersei and then somehow then Jon Snow ends up getting murdered i mean (laughs) people would be going nuts but wouldn't that be the ultimate like uh you fools you fell for the oldest game of thrones trick in the book i mean would this not be shades of ned stark and rob stark that a third
1: you know things the dragon has three heads josh Uh, i guess and so does the dire wolf perhaps You know, I don't know. It, it would feel so it, that feels like some wheel spinning to me. I'd be really frustrated if that's how Jon Snow goes, especially if it was like the penultimate season and he doesn't even make it to the final season. And they actually do just like off Jon Snow permanently here. That would suck. I'd be furious. I don't think that I would like mm-hmm. that at all. Yeah, <laughs> I would be. I'd be really pissed off. I mean, that
0: would be huge. I mean, uh, and uh, you know, because again, this is the same story. I feel like we're that we're like. Love into such as like a uh, safe like embryonic like uh this is our nice story where we're none of our favorite people are gonna die and something bad's gonna happen to somebody and we're not prepared for it winter
1: is coming winter is coming winter is here rob mm-hmm. uh and i and i totally buy that we're gonna lose people that we like like that's absolutely going to happen i just don't think it's gonna happen like in that kind of a way, and it's not going to happen in that same sort of like inopportune moment kind of way. Like Jon Snow's making it to that final episode, if not at least really, really close to mm. it. And you know, arguably he's very close to it right now, but you know, we're, we're going to lose favorite people. You know, we're going to lose Jon almost certainly in my book. I'm becoming more and more convinced the more and more I think about the backfish's uh, voice is echoing in my ear, his, uh, his pitch that Arya could be in trouble. The more and more we get out of Arya this season, the more worried i am for her but these are more end game thoughts for me i think that this is final season territory for like the real main characters and in terms of losing people that we like it's gonna happen next week it's just gonna be like jorah level at max like it's not gonna be higher than jorah okay that being said here's a voicemail from matt forsyth who's got some further thoughts on cersei hey what's up robin josh matthew forsyth here and i gotta say this episode made me consider
0: something that i would never put any stock into before and that is the possibility of Cersei still being on the throne at the end of season eight. Now, I've never been much of a Cersei truther myself. I expected her to die by the end of the season. But we see in this episode, Daenerys is following all these clever plans. Jon is focusing on these crazy dudes up north. And Cersei, still through all of it, has her eye on the prize. And so uh, I just feel like there's some slim possibility that maybe she is the one who comes out on top. And I know that we have this Maggie the Frog prophecy and everything. But just what do you all think about the possibility, the slim possibility that she's still there on top at the end of season eight? Thanks.
1: Do you think it's possible? Can this show end with Cersei Lannister still in charge? How? How would that be the end? I mean, that's what you just advocated, right? That Game of Thrones is a frustrating show. And when you think you're about to have narrative satisfaction, you just get, like, knocked in the face with something terrible. The whole thing, though, the whole thing was you know, books and seasons
0: and, and 30 years in the making to get to Cersei ends up being the ultimate ruler of yeah, Westeros. Yeah, that's the
1: ultimate Red Wedding. You know, that's what you're really mm-hmm. getting Red weddings at that point.
0: Yeah, wow. I mean, that's intense. I feel like that she definitely makes it to the start of Season 8 on the Iron Throne, but... I can't imagine this show ending with
1: Cersei still living. Yeah. Well, who knows? Who knows? We'll see how that all shakes out. Do you Let's
0: think there's with... a 1% chance that that happens?
1: Personally, no. No. Uh, I mean, I, of, of her living or her being in charge? Her being in charge. Or her being in charge, I would say almost zero chance. Her being alive, I could be convinced. She could go uh, off to exile or something, or something like
0: that. Sure. That's, that's a possibility. But, I mean, to end with her on the Iron Throne... No, I don't think so.
1: Yeah, I think that that's that's hard to see. Let's look at uh, somebody else in the Lannister family. Let's talk about Tyrion for a hot second and truly a hot second technically in the Lannister family. But there is this theory out there, Rob, that Tyrion, much like Jon Snow, might be a secret Targaryen. We've gone over this in the past, I assume. Yes, yes. So the theory goes, for those who are not familiar, because it's certainly less familiar uh, or less widespread theory than the Jon Snow one, is that Tyrion's actual father is the Mad King and the Mad King had a relationship or had a night with, uh, with Tywin Lannister's wife and Tyrion is the product of that. You can go search out the theory to read the details of how that would all work out. But just stemming from that, this is something that Elizabeth Ames wrote in about a scene that we had. In this past episode in Eastwatch, Elizabeth writes, there's a theory that Tyrion is a Targaryen, the Mad King's bastard son. Last night's paternity test, as you called it, Rob, between Jon Snow and the dragon made me think of the time that Tyrion confronted the dragons without incident in season six. So did last night's episode give some support to this theory? Like Jon Snow and Tyrion also passed the Targaryen paternity test. I'll tell you this, Rob, Antonio Mazzaro, your friend and mine asked me the same question. It's like, do you think that this might be a clue that Tyrion is indeed a Targaryen? Where are you with this one? Do you think that there's any shot that the show would give us Tyrion-Targaryen eventually?
0: So I like this theory, but to me... I thought it was something that, how are we going to go back in time and we're going to find this out that this seems like a lot of stuff to explain through exposition with only a little bit of time left and there haven't been that many clues in the show. But after I saw Gilly reveal that Rhaegar Targaryen had a secret marriage in an Oh, by the way, look at this in this book. It says here that some guy named Rhaegar was uh, secretly married. Okay, I guess his kids must be legitimate heirs. Okay. To have information get dropped like that, it's on the table. And and that was the thing when I think about it that feels like that yeah, we could certainly get an, oh, by the way, Tyrion is actually the son of Ares uh, and And that is actually, he's a Targaryen too. I think it's a definite possibility.
1: Dragon has three heads and there's some setup for this. You know, Daenerys is riding Drogon, named after her fallen husband. Uh, You could see Jon Snow riding Rhaegal someday, named after his fallen father. And then this would make this theory, if it panned out, Tyrion would be the Mad King's son, which makes him Daenerys' brother. And so you could see why he would be riding Viserion that's named after Danny's late brother. So it all kind of clicks together. Tyrion also,
0: as a kid, was obsessed with dragons in uh, the... I'm not sure. I think he mentions that in the first season of the show as well. And uh, certainly in the book. So yeah, I think that we might end up getting that revelation along the way.
1: I mean, it would shock people, I do think. Uh, Like, I would even be a little bit, you know, even knowing that this theory is out there, I would be a little bit floored by the fact that the show was actually going there. I could really see it happening in the books pretty easily. George R. R. Martin loves double identities. Like, this is one of his favorite things to do. So I could really see it happening there. And I would be surprised if the show felt like we've got the time to do this or that, like, wouldn't this undercut the Jon Snow thing a little bit? Like they really do seemingly try to streamline that stuff as much as they can, but it's a really good point that the scene where Jon reaches out and touches Drogon is very reminiscent of that scene with Tyrion in the dungeons of Meereen back in season six. So put a plant a flag in it as Maester Mazara would say. Uh, possibility.
0: Can I ask you something? Just a big picture question. Where I know that the show is working off of notes from George R. R. Martin, but. Do you feel like that uh, should the books ever be completed, do you get the sense that they will be somewhat like is the TV show just an abbreviated version of what would be in the books? Or do you think that the books would end up being radically different and potentially have a different outcome than what we'd see in the TV show?
1: I think in terms of like where Westeros is, like the like the general shape of what society is going to be, I think will be pretty similar. I think a lot of the main main character fates will be very similar, if not exact. Um, but I think that there will be details here and there that are going to be rather different uh, by virtue of the fact that there are important characters in the books, like severely important, you know, seemingly severely important characters in the books that are not on the show at all. So those are wild cards there, although Wild Cards is a different franchise for George R. R. Martin. I think that the show is going to end rather similarly to the books. Okay. We'll see. Just my feeling. Just my feeling. Let's talk some more maester stuff uh, since you just brought up the whole gilly thing. This is from Dom Malpietti who writes in. Throughout the series, the maesters we have met at the different houses or at the wall have all been dedicated, wise, and devoted to helping. So how come the maesters at the Citadel are so useless? These are the people who do the training of a lot of the great maesters we've met over the years, right? What do you think about this? Why do these maesters suck so badly?
0: Because the real maesters, the one who are really worth their uh, bread and salt they are out there in the field Josh and the maesters who can't do they're staying back at the Citadel
1: yeah those who can't mace, I don't know (laughs) yeah
0: I mean, yeah, I think that they're probably sort of like the people that are like the college professors who are just sort of like well-versed. And and, uh, again, we have a lot of people who are educators that listen to these podcasts. But I think that they're sort of playing on, you know, you have a college professor who's lectured for 40 years. They don't know how things are like in the particular industry that they might be lecturing about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's right. They're just like by virtue of like just failing upwards. Those uh, those chains are, are linking themselves for these guys.
0: hmm. Right. That then they have not been out in the real world and uh, seen that things are changing. Things are happening out there.
1: Things are happening. So much is happening. Yeah. How do you think that
0: Sam finds out that his dad and brother are gone?
1: Oh, God, he's uh, he's walking back to Horn Hill for like a pit stop. Just to, like be like, hey, guys, what's going on? How's ever?" Oh, gosh, this is terrible news. I don't know. Someone's going to send him a raven. He's going to go what, and like, on the road. End- yeah, he's got he's got Wi-Fi. You know, he's got like a mobile hotspot. I don't know. He's got to rejoin civilization somehow. And whenever he like ru- like it's going to be hard not to hear this, like the dragon queen landed in Westeros totally effed up the Lannister army and made an example of two people from a great house of Westeros and burned them alive in front of everybody. Like Sam's going to catch Which wind one? of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like he's going to find out he's going to find out. I don't think he's going to be that ripped up about it though. What about Dickon? I, he might be a little ripped up about Dickon. Who isn't at yeah. this point? Okay. So
0: do you think that Sam, then this opens the door for him to return home to Hornhill?
1: Yeah, I think that we could see, you know, this is this is the thing, like there is this sense of like history repeating. Uh, We got into like the the Gendry, Oris Baratheon of it all on the deep dive. But there's also like the history of Highgarden. The original people that were in charge of the Reach were called House Gardener and they got totally messed up during Aegon's conquest and the Tyrells got installed as the new people in charge of that region of Westeros. And now House Tyrells. Tyrell has fallen and the Tarleys were being looked at by the Lannisters as the people who are now going to be in charge of the region. Those two guys are now out of the picture and you could really see like Sam being the guy who's now in charge of Horn Hill and is he going to be the person that's in charge of the Reach now that we have another Targaryen's conquest? I feel like some of this like full circle quality is really starting to come into focus. I could really see that being Sam's fate ultimately.
0: Yeah. and setting up shop and having uh, this room for Sam Jr. and for
1: Gilly. Yeah, that'd be sweet. I'd be very happy about that. Be nice. That'd be a nice ending for them. That'd be sweet. That'd be very nice. Speaking of of, uh, ending things, let's end with one final question here. This is from. The great Sir Alex of House Chester, yes. who writes in and says, why is the dream team heading north of the wall to bring back a white before even checking with Jamie if Cersei is going to require one to agree to the temporary armistice? She already agreed in her conversation with Jamie without even requiring the evidence. Shouldn't they wait for Jamie to confirm to Tyrion? Yeah, we're going to need to see the white. Before they head off on this foolhardy expedition, that's almost certainly going to result in a number of their deaths.
0: Yeah. Cersei is looking the armistice. She wants the armistice.
1: Yeah, but don't you think if she's like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that sounds great. We're in. We totally believe you at face value that there are White Walkers here, and we're all right to just, like, drop swords for a minute and just, like, focus completely on that. Don't you think Danny's going to be like, girl, you're thirsty? Like, what is that? Like, what's up with that? Like, why are you so eager all of a sudden to, like, without any proof, just be like, yeah, White Walkers, for sure. Like, thirsty. Thirsty Lannister at that point. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: She could say, well, okay, you got us. Uh, you know, I, to be honest, full disclosure, I am a little intimidated by the dragons. So they're scary, yes. They're very intimidating. You I mean, you just roasted my entire army. So, again, this is just uh, me being me, but we're really licking our wounds over here. So if you want to take a time out, we're totally cool with that.
1: Uh, does Danny say, that's it, no deal. There's also the fact that, Cersei has a zombie in her employ already Mm. you know like this isn't like the most far-fetched thing in the world she's like no I totally believe you like that makes sense I have an undead human being uh in my in my service already so like this is not you know the biggest leap that I've ever had to make now that being said is the mission to go bring back a white?
0: Is it to convince Danny just as much as it is to convince Cersei? Like, does Daenerys need to see what's going on so that she can commit her forces as well?
1: Yeah, I think that that's part of it. I mean, obviously she is uh, she's feeling things for Jon Snow, but I think that she's still not completely on board with his cause and is still very focused on trying to conquer the Seven Kingdoms. So I think if she gets that definitive proof from Jon, I think that's going to do a lot to getting her to realize like, oh, yeah, we probably got to worry about that.
0: yeah. It's just the, the whole thing with uh, like the Dothraki are just out there in the open field. I mean, I don't know what you're doing with them while they're out there. I mean, does you bring them all back to Dragonstone?
1: It's a good question.
0: I don't know how that plays out. I mean, you're not going to send the Dothraki to go fight against the Knights King, right? I don't think they're going to hold up too well in the cold.
1: No, like it's already cold enough in Westeros for these
0: guys. <laughs> they I don't think. have like shirts.
1: Yeah, it's already culture shock. Winter is coming. These guys are
0: not ready for that.
1: Yeah, they're ill-prepared.
0: They're ill-prepared. So they're really sort of like they're landlocked in the south. So I'm sort of like, I don't know how long you could have the Dothraki just hang out. I kind of feel like that you might want to just have them sack King's Landing now. Get that over with.
1: Hey, by the way, uh, with the Lannisters like getting so messed up in this battle, that's, uh, you know, with the dragon showing up. And just like roasting half the army. And clearly the Lannisters have their tails tucked between their legs right now. Are Grey Worm and the Unsullied still just like trapped at Casterly Rock? Or can they like stroll back to Dragonstone at this point? I've thought about that.
0: They could ultimately give it up. I think that Grey Worm is probably just like keeping the Unsullied there just in case Euron comes back. But
1: they don't have their ships. So somebody have to go pick them up. How are they like keeping busy? Like, What are they doing? You, you think, don't like, think there's to like, do at Casterly Rock? Grey Worm's like, would you like to hear a joke? <laughs> He's working on
0: his stand-up material. I think there's yeah. a lot of stuff to see and do at Casterly Rock. The Unsullied have never been there before, so they could check out all of the sites, the empty gold mines and whatnot. Have you
1: seen the sewers? Yeah, <laughs> go check out. There
0: those are tunnels. Out. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. But we'll see if the Unsullied ever make their way out of Casterly Rock
1: moving forward. I hope that they can. I hope that they can for everybody's sake, but especially Missande. That'd be great. Yeah, especially
0: for Missande. I was on iTunes today and they had like Game of Thrones season 7 watch now on iTunes and
1: Missande was the thumbnail for the entire wow. show. It's like wow. <laughs> Upgrade. Yeah, good for you, Missande. Wow. Maybe she's going to be on the Iron Throne. She could be.
0: I mean, is she the princess that was promised?
1: Yeah, I think the so. The grey worm, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they could both be the ones in charge. I like it. All right, Josh. Well, very fun stuff. We only
0: have two episodes left, but two super sized episodes coming up this Sunday night. What did you like for uh, the hashtag today?
1: Did we have did anything? Really I like the pop snowy out seven. You? I'd like to see if we can make that happen. Snowy seven. Let's do it. Let's make okay. it a I, thing. Mad King Man. That, that was the other thing. Mad. <laughs> <laughs> No,
0: okay, we don't have to do that anymore. No. But anyway, uh, great work, Josh. Uh, you can follow Josh. Great on- worm. <laughs> he is at Round Howard. I'm at Rob Cisternino, of course. If you missed either of our podcasts earlier this week, my recap with Stephen Fishback or our deep dive, those are up on PostureRecaps.com. And then I'll be back live after the episode, probably around like 10, 25 Eastern time after this week's Game of Thrones with the Backfish to get into all of that. So exciting stuff, Josh
1: indeed indeed i can't wait to hear it i can't wait to watch this episode i can't wait to laugh like a lunatic when Jon snow dies and comes back to life and i'm proven right or cry a lot when i've been ballyhooing about this theory and nothing happens and john's just like totally <laughs> fine okay, okay. Yeah, well fine. good
0: stuff and looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say in the comments on posterrecaps.com take care everybody have a good one bye